Welcome to Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio outreach of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're at the end of a series from the book of Titus called Healthy, Fruitful Faith. And today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called, you guessed it, Fruitful Faith. That's my prayer for you. Let's grow together in having a fruitful faith. Look with me at verse 13. Here's the second aspect of being ready for good works. Paul says, do your best. Do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. Now, unlike the preparation for a new season of ministry that was coming for Titus, this was an immediate opportunity. If you look at verse 14, it says, uh, it says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need. This need was standing right in front of him. Almost certainly, uh, Zenos and uh, Apollos were present. They were the ones delivering the letter to Titus. You ever had somebody show up at your door? And you're really not wondering whether it's time for ministry. The ministry is standing right in front of you. Would you like to come inside my house? Would you like to stay with us? What they were going to need is they were going to need money, perhaps for their trip. They were going to probably need a fresh set of clothes or a laundromat if they had those. Uh, They were going to need some hospitality for a few days to kind of settle into the next ship. Probably went down to Alexandria. That's where Apollos was from. That would be modern day Egypt, which is south of there. Sometimes needs are in the future. Sometimes needs are standing right in front of us. Now, here's the lesson for us. Sometimes, and if you're like me, you're always looking to the future. And sometimes we have these ways that we would like to serve God. God, I would like to serve you in this ministry. I would like to reach these types of people or this type of a scenario. And what God is saying to us is that's good. Maybe, someday, we have to leave that in God's hands. But here's what I want you doing right now. I want you to practice, Luke. I want you to practice on what's right in front of you. And maybe you're in that place and you're thinking of something you would like to God to do through you or you're like thinking of a ministry you wish you could be involved in and maybe we don't even have that ministry in our church yet or, or you're wishing for certain opportunities. Man, I wish I was married. I wish I had kids. I wish I could care for my kids. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. And what God is saying is maybe someday, but right now, practice on what's right in front of you. And what Paul is saying to Titus is, you get those Christian believers fired up about what's right in front of their faces and practice on that. I find that often it's the believers that take the opportunities in front of them, that God uses them for bigger things because they practiced on the little things and they're open and they're spirit led and they're willing to set aside their structure and do whatever God has brought in front of them. And it's amazing how God uses faithfulness in the little things to open up the bigger things we want. Are you ready? Are you ready for good works? You know, when I was thinking about being ready, I hope this story will encourage you. We were at a pastor's retreat this week. And um, I ran into a friend who's from the state of Indiana, and he, he planted about when we did, and I know they were looking for a building, and uh, so we were talking about that, and I said, well, how's that going, you know, because we're kind of in that place. We had that building, and then it fell through, and we're looking again, and he said, you wouldn't believe what happened. They had been looking at a building, and uh, it fell through, and he was frustrated about that, and so they kept looking, and they found this one particular building that um, cost $1.7 million, $1.7 million, which, 
for them, they're much farther behind than we are. We have quite a bit saved up uh, in our building fund, thankful you know, to all your generosity, and we're getting prepared. They weren't even there. And so they heard the price tag, 1.7 million. They said, yeah, sorry, that's way out of our range. And then the realtor for the owner comes back to them and he says, actually, the owner is kind of a snake. He doesn't even have a church. It's just him. And he's about ready to get foreclosed on. So they said, would you be interested again if the price was significantly lower? I said, yeah. So they got the building for 400000 and change. My struggle with jealousy was a little strong at that point. But here's the thing that even gets crazier. So they're in the process of moving that along to get the purchase done. And an inspector comes into the building that they were presently worshiping in. And so this inspector comes in and he comes right back to them and says, ah, yeah, all those rooms that you, those four rooms you're using for children's ministry, can't use those anymore. Shouldn't, you shouldn't even have access to those. I'm like, what are you talking about? We've been here for five years using them. Nope, can't use them. As of this week, you cannot use them anymore. So the next Sunday, they just huddled all the kids into another room and sort of had to make it work. And they called the realtor and said, we are ready to take occupancy of that building tomorrow. We're bringing the U-Haul. And so they closed the deal, pulled everything, put it in there. And he said for a week, they were painting the building till midnight every night. And the next Sunday, a week and a half after that inspector, they had their first service in that facility. For a week, he said, they worked an insane amount. They were ready. God had been preparing them for this moment. And then God closed one door and opened up the next one. Now, A, I hope that, I, I mean, I hope that by faith I'm asking you, are you ready for that kind of a scenario? But whether it's that scenario or something else in your life, are you preparing yourself? Are you ready for what God is bringing your way, for our church, for your small group, for your family, for you as an individual. Are you ready? Well, here's the reason why we need to be ready. Look back at the text with me. Verse 14 says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need. And here are the key words, and not to be unfruitful. Not to be unfruitful. Why don't you jot this down? This is the kind of the other half of the question. Not only are you ready, but what can erode your commitment to good works? What is it that is in our lives that can erode our commitment to good works? What causes us to fall back and to shrink back? What cuts away at our devotion to good works that glorify God and results in a life of unfruitfulness? I want to give you four obstacles, four good works obstacles that we need to learn to overcome. Here's the first one, weariness and fatigue. Weariness and fatigue. Often we are serving, we're doing things for the Lord, we're putting our hearts and our lives on the line. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, and let us not grow weary doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You know, and I think when it comes to good works and just our lives in general, there's a lot of sowing and reaping. 
Think about it this way. There are seasons where we make faithful choices. Faithful choices to do what God wants me to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pure. I'm going to save myself or my spouse. I'm going to make wise decisions with my finances. I'm going to reach out to my neighbor. I'm going to begin to have a passion in prayer for the lost people in my life. I'm going to begin to make good choices and good works. And I begin to do those things. But then on the other end of this spectrum is what I'll call fruitful celebration, where those good choices, good works bear fruit and I celebrate it. But the problem is between here and there is this gap. And it's a gap that it feels like a wilderness. It feels like I'm stuck. I'm stuck in this waiting season where what I felt God wanting me to do and the seeds that I've sown are not bearing fruit. Now here's the crazy thing. And I know Jeremy is a, farmer. And um, the great thing about farming is you know when it's time to sow and generally you know when you're going to reap as long as there's no floods or... But you see, in the spiritual world, it's different. Sometimes I sow and there's two days and I reap. Sometimes I sow and there's 20 years and then I reap. And the problem is what gets us to be weary and well-doing is that we forget that there's this gap that God allows us to walk through by faith. And we can get really weary. And Ricky Ross and I were talking about this this week. He said, you know what? You just got to throw your watch away. Because we're like, God, do you not see my faithfulness? I've been investing. I've been doing all this stuff. And then we're in this endless gap. Some of you today need to entrust that gap to the Lord. To say, God, I'm going to stop looking at my watch. I'm going to keep doing the right thing. And maybe even if I don't see the answers until eternity, I'm going to be faithful. And trust that gap to the Lord by faith. And don't let the weariness and the waiting period and the stuck cause you to quit. Don't quit. This is Pastor Luke Aarons. Maybe you've been listening to Meeting with God and wondering, how can I embrace the gift of salvation and follow Jesus Christ? Or I have some questions about Jesus and the journey of faith. We would love to answer any questions you may have or help you in taking the next step of faith. Let me encourage you to visit our church website, verticalchurch.life, or visit one of our weekend services in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. Here's the second obstacle we have to learn to overcome, and that's laziness. Now, that's really the primary sin of the Cretans. They were lazy. We can be lazy. I happen to know that almost all the people that I'm looking at right now, I love you, are not lazy. We have some very hardworking people. (laughs) You don't join a church plan if you're lazy. But here's one area I want to ask you to think about. Sometimes we can have a silo or a compartment of our lives where we're lazy. Maybe you're totally a hardworking person in your family and ministering to the needs of your kid, but when it comes to ministering to your husband and the good works he needs to experience, you're kind of lazy. Or maybe you're a hardworking person and you go to work and everybody's like, that dude, and he works his tail off. He's putting in 70 hours a week. And, and then he comes home and he has nothing left and he's lazy with the kids zoned out and on his phone. I'm not preaching at the choir. I'm preaching to myself. 
Or maybe you're, you're so consumed with your family and providing for your family and everything in your family, your immediate family, that when you come to church, it's just, I show up, I don't do anything. I'm lazy. Or I could go on and on and different, but sometimes there's silos in our lives where we allow lazy to undercut the good works that God calls us to do in those settings. Let me give you a third obstacle that we need to overcome. And that is prayerlessness and powerlessness. Now let me define it this way. Sometimes we can be filled with activity, but not with productivity. And this is one of the burdens on my heart, our elders' hearts, if you will, for our church in this coming year. Churches can be filled with activity, but not with fruitful productivity. We can be going and doing things because doing things is kind of how we numb ourselves to thinking that we're doing God's work sometimes. Now, there's a lot of fruitful ministry and a lot of fruitful work going on in our church, but I also have to be looking constantly for the things that we're just doing something here, but God's hand is not there. Sometimes that's because he's closing a door, but other times it's because I'm simply not praying. I'm just telling God, I got this. I'll be the vine and the branch. Just take a seat. And if you remember, I want to just encourage you with this. There is this thing called the gift of nothingness. What? John chapter 15, verse five, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And he's not saying you can't ever do anything with activity. What he's saying is you're never going to get to spiritual productivity. Now, for those of us who are task-oriented, that's me, some I know a lot of you, but whether you're people or task or whatever you are, we do things. We love Jesus. And sometimes we set out to keep doing things and doing things and not pulling back and saying, but God, if your hand's not in it, this is going nowhere. I might be trying to convince that person in my marriage that we could do this better, but it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. I keep reaching out to this neighbor friend I have, and I want, I have this family member that I just want to bang the gospel. That your life would be so much better if you just would embrace Jesus maybe I need a little Jesus too. It's activity, but it's not productivity because it's powerless because it's done apart from the power of Jesus Christ. Here's what I want us to see. We're going to start having some prayer meetings on a monthly basis out with fixer, in with fixation on seeking the power of God in prayer. If you want to see God work in your life in an extraordinary way, combine good works with an absolute desperation in prayer. And you will see God do extraordinary things. He might close a few doors too. Now we're going to be having this prayer meeting tomorrow night. It's going to be the first Monday. You could know this for the whole year. First Monday of every month, we're going to be praying from 7 o'clock to 8.15. Now here's my challenge. If you want to break the cycle of activity without productivity... Make that the first thing on your calendar every month. I'm going to go so far as to say this. I'm really glad you're here this morning, but if it comes down to, I can either go to church on Sunday or go to the prayer meeting on Monday, skip Sunday. Come on Monday. Because if we have 150 or 200 or 250 people crying out to God in those prayer meetings, our church will change. 
It will change. There will be fruitfulness in areas we didn't even know existed. There will be other areas where God will close doors and wasted activity will go away. And God, I think a building will come. I think all kinds of things, but God is calling us to a season of desperation and of embracing the gift of nothingness so that he can be everything and he can get the glory and his kingdom can be built. So if I could plead with you, join us on Monday night. We already have a, the worship team's already been working on, we're gonna be singing together. We're going to be crying out to God together. We're going to be going through the Lord's Prayer tomorrow night. Make that a priority. Let me give you one more, one more obstacle to good works. That is the ungratefulness of others. You see, God sees when we do good works. Sometimes others don't. Sometimes other people don't even like what we've done. Sometimes they don't acknowledge what we've done. But God sees it. And sometimes the reason why we stop doing things is because I've been doing this and doing this and doing this, but nobody even says thank you. Nobody even says anything. In fact, even somebody criticized me. But see, what God's heart is for you to do it for him. You do the good works because he's calling you to do it. And the time, maybe some people will recognize you. Maybe sometimes they won't. I have to embrace that. Sometimes people will go, yeah, we liked your church. Now we don't. We're leaving. Ouch. I've just poured so much time into you and so much love into you and now you just want to, what? I felt that before. But I don't want to stop what I'm doing because I know God is using it. I don't want you to stop what you're doing because I know God's using it. Don't let ungratefulness stop you. Remember that God sees the ultimate moment of recognition is when we stand before God and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That is the moment that matters. And if people recognize you throughout your life, but God doesn't, that will mean nothing. Set your eyes on him. I want to turn a final corner here by starting with a crazy example on your phone. Have you ever been um, doing something on your phone and all of a sudden a little notification, maybe you're using an app and all of a sudden this notification pops up? Our terms and conditions have changed. Please review the terms and conditions before you, and you're like, oh no, trying to sweat, get it away. You know, I, I don't want to deal with that. And then it won't let you use the app. Now that never happens at seven o'clock on an evening where nothing's happening. It always happens when I need that app to get to where I'm going or to, to finish a discussion that I'm having, or I need to have a meeting on my, one of my apps. You ever had that happen? And then what do you do next? Well, you know, you start thinking about scrolling through 25 pages of legalese. And then if you're like me, you get to the point where you're like, just scroll to the bottom. I'll agree to it. Mercy. I give. And then you get to the bottom and it says something like, I agree that I have read and agree to this. Well, then comes a moment of integrity. I can't click that because I haven't read it. And so then you start scrolling through and you're on about page 20. And you come to a place where they're talking about how the circuit court in San Jose will resolve, I don't even know what. It's going to resolve something. And you're like, okay, whatever. So you keep scrolling down and you eventually come to, you know, I, I just want to stop here. I think there should be a legally required label on terms and conditions. Common side effects include, of terms and conditions include feeling lost, mentally numb, glazed over in despair, so finally you come to the end and you write, you click, I agree. I can't even remember what I read on the last page. 
Maybe some of you lawyers here, God has blessed us with some. Maybe you can actually tell what's being said there. I don't know. All I know is that I probably just agreed to give all my personal information to someone. They probably now have ownership of my house and maybe even one of my kids. I don't know. You know, it's just like terms and conditions. What are the terms and conditions of good works? As we come to the end of this book, I want to go back to verse 15. What are the terms and conditions of a fruitful faith in good works? What is the, even the inspiration behind good works? Verse 15 says, All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Grace, obviously. But notice the word love. Love. Jesus said in Matthew 22, a lawyer came up to him and said, what is the great commandment? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Here's the last thought I want you to write down this morning. The inspiration behind good works is a deepening love for God and your neighbor. You see, good works aren't a thing for themselves. They flow out of a love for God and a love for people. And that's where our love for God, good works is where our love for God and our love for people typically overlaps. If, however, we have no love for God and no love for people, good works at best will be duties. But think of this. What was the greatest good work of all time? The greatest good work of all time was the coming of Jesus Christ, of him giving his life on the cross for our forgiveness. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, all of our good works flow out of the love of God. The love of God that he has for us, all the things you do, the fact that you woke up this morning, the fact that you have other believers around you, the fact that you have family members or at least a few of them that you like and all of them that you love, they're all an overflow of the love of God in your life. The fact that you can come here and no matter what you've done this week, you can walk out of this place forgiven because of what Jesus has done, that's a good work. All that we do flows out of our love for God in response to his love for us. And if I could ask you this, if you're in a place where you're having a hard time connecting with good works and really feeling an inspiration, start at the gospel. Start at where God has loved you because everything flows out of that. And I would ask you, and I'm gonna pray here in just a second. Let's begin to pray, God, would you fill my heart with such a love for you and such a love for the people around me that I can't stop myself from doing things to bless them. And God, even help me love some of the people that I don't really like. I don't even really love. And God, would you stir up within my heart a greater love for the complicated people in my life, the difficult people in my life, the people that I don't, those people. Father, I thank you for the love of, the love expressed to us through the coming of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the love of Jesus who went to the cross for our sin that we might have eternal relationship with you and freedom in you and joy in you and love and peace. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done and we especially thank you for that specific good work. 
that you did in sending Jesus to die on the cross, to do the hardest good work, but the greatest good work on our behalf. God, would you right now, and maybe just reach out to God as I'm praying. God, would you help us? Would you fill us with an unquenchable love for you first, and then for those that are around us, the people we like and the people we don't, the people that we wish were around us more and the people that aren't, and the people that we maybe wish weren't around us as much. God, would you so fill our hearts with love that the heartbeat of every day is, and Lord, how could you use me today? How could your Holy Spirit empower me today to bless someone and to do a good work of compassion or a good work through a text to encourage or a good work of blessing someone with a gift? God, would you fill our hearts with a love that can only come from you? God, would we be a church that's filled with people that are an extension of your love for those around us? We pray that you would help us to have a fruitful faith, a faith that bears fruit in this life and prepares us for the life to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. Vertical Church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus and currently do not have a church home, we would love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship services meet at our church home at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Our church family is warm, loving, and would be so happy to meet you. If you currently do not have a place to worship this weekend, would you join us? As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.